The Voice is a show where the judges sit in these big red chairs. And it's designed where they cannot see the person. They can only hear them. And if they are captured by what they hear, they turn the chair. I think your church has put out such a clarion sound, such a compelling witness of Jesus, that this community was sitting in the red chair. And because of what was being heard, sensed, the attitude, the passion behind it, caused them to turn and grab their attention. And now you have three services on a Sunday morning, standing room only, changed life after changed life after changed life. Praise God for you and your church. I celebrate all of you today. How is it happening? How do you set for the next nine years to be even better than the last nine? Just keep doing what you're doing. And what you're doing is helping people discover who they really are. There's an identity crisis that's occurring in the lives of people. They're trying to figure out who they are, what their purpose is. And life takes its way of just hitting us and hitting us hard. And it creates a lot of confusion. Identity, if it's not right, it will put you on a path that's destructive. How would you identify yourself today? Who has the right to determine who you are? To determine the perspective that you have of yourself? To determine the label that you live with? One of the latest ways that we can uh, set an identifier is through this hashtag. It's what's used in the social media phenomenon called Twitter. Do you know about Twitter, Pastor Jason? That's what I thought. Most sages don't know anything about that. Uh, but this, this is a hashtag, and if we have a conversation on Twitter, it's a way to identify that conversation. It's a way to label it so that we can track it. Other people can join in. It's a way to label the conversation. So it, it's a hashtag. Let me try on a few hashtags. If these are identifiers for you, you can make a little noise or not. So here's a hashtag, a label, uh, an identifier, hashtag cat lover. Way more cat lovers in this service than the other two services combined. Hashtag, here's another one, hashtag not a cat lover. Man. Some cat haters go to your church, man. It's been, man, the first service, they're like, ah. Here's one, hashtag, I love my church. If you have the wrong identity, it can lock all of your potential inside of you and lock God who has the right to hashtag you? Who has the right to set your identity? Who has the right to cause you to live with a label? Who, who has the right to set that label? Nike, they identify all of their products with what you see here on the screen. It's their label. They have the right to put that on every product because they are the maker. Here's another label. Apple uses this. They put it on all of their products because they are the maker, and the maker has the right to hashtag. The maker has the right to set the label. Now, if I go into the Apple store, which I did, and I purchase an iPhone, which I did, when I walk out, I can take a marker, and I can write my name on this. I can label this 
because it's not only the maker that has the right to hashtag, but it's the buyer. Now, if I go into the Apple store with my marker, and I just go down the road just writing my name on all of those products, hashtag jail time. Because I'm not the purchaser. So I just want to make sure that, that you get how this church does ministry. This is how this church approaches vision. And that is to let everybody know that it's the maker and the buyer that has a right to set identity. And according to Genesis 1, God created you and me, maker. And according to Scripture, God acted in such a way so that he as creator moved to be redeemer. Here's what the Scripture says. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you, bought you, purchased you. Here's a, a Bible word, redeemed you. Redeemed you, bought you with a high price. That would be the price of his own life, the cross, and all that was associated with it, the full sacrifice of the cross, his death, and his resurrection. The creator acted in such a way to be the purchaser. So only he, only the one who made you and bought you, has the right to hashtag you. So if you are living with this label of you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the right background, you, you didn't come from the right family, you live with this label that is limiting your life, I say just open up your mind to what I've just told you. And one of the reasons for the incredible exponential growth of this church is because you're helping people realize they're made by God and bought with a price. That price is not with silver and gold but with the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, he gave it all for you. He loves you that much. So hashtag accepted. Do you, do you feel that acceptance? Do you wake up every day knowing you're accepted by God? There's a lot of people that don't. And I think the way you have presented the message of acceptance, which is the message of grace... It has been the influence of changed lives and a growing church. Jesus accepted people before they changed. Please keep doing that. I've watched for nine years. You love people with no strings attached. You love people by just accepting them for who they are, where they were, whatever lifestyle, because you were confident in the grace of God to change them. That's exactly the Jesus model. Thank you for doing that, and I hope you never stop. Zacchaeus, hashtag tax collector, which in that day would be like cat lover to your first two services. I mean, now, tax collectors were down there with cat lovers, and it was bad. It was really bad. And so Jesus is coming through town, and, and Zacchaeus, this tax collector, wants a greater vantage point, and he climbs this tree, and Jesus sees him, and Jesus goes up and talks to him and says, hey, come down, I want to go to your house. Yet, there's no change in Zacchaeus at this point. We know that Zacchaeus is going to surrender his life and be a follower of Jesus. We know he's going to be such a radical change, he's going to want to repay four times as much as what he took from people. That's radical when you want to 
you want to try to make it good and, and even add some to it. So it's speaking of the radical change. But the crowd had no idea because that happened in private. That happened at his house, just a conversation between Zach and Jesus. And that's why Jesus was so criticized. If Jesus would have said, hey, Zach, uh, what do you think? And if Zacchaeus in front of everybody would have said, I am a wretch, hashtag tax collector, hashtag thief, I have taken advantage of people, I am so sorry, I want to surrender my life to you, follow you, follow your ways, and be right by people, then then everybody's like, okay, and what's happening is we're moving from a theory of acceptance and then change to you change, we'll accept you. And most churches today are good on their theology. They're just poor in their practice. They say they accept people, no strings attached, and they preach the verse that says, whosoever will, just just come as you are. But the practice is change and then come. I can accept you, but I need you to change. Because I'm awkward with the lifestyle you've chosen to be seen associating with you. Thank you for accepting people and letting Jesus change them. That's awesome. That's one of the greatest testimonies about your church. And that's not an easy leadership vision to hold to. Stay with it. Because it's the only way we're going to reach culture. It's the only way we're going to reach people that are far from God. We're not going to reach them by protesting or being angry with them. That that will never work. Walk right out there, wait out there in the milieu of human suffering and pain and love people, no strings attached, and trust that grace can change them. Where would any of us be without the love of God and then His grace to change us? Where would any of us be? So this, this idea of acceptance is a Jesus model. There was a young lady that, that we met and we worked with her because she was broken. She was so isolated. You could tell she had a personality, but it was buried deep within a lot of issues of her story. By the time she was 18, she had lived in 18 different foster homes. Her story was this, I never felt like a daughter, I never felt I belonged, there were some good people along the way, but for various reasons, they couldn't keep me. So by the time I'm 18, I aged out of the foster care system, I had nowhere to go, I had no one, and I, I, I live with this identity that I'm unwanted, unaccepted, I don't belong to anyone, and I don't belong anywhere, and there was the deepest sense of isolation and loneliness. We found a way to, to bring her into a great home environment where there was a lot of love, a lot of grace, and along the way just teaching the story of Jesus. And we watched her open her heart. And a year from the time she came in, she stood in front of a group of people like you, and she told her story. You wouldn't even have known it was the same person. Her personality, her, her countenance, everything about her. It was like, really, are, are you telling the truth? Knowing you the way we know you now, we can't even believe that that was true. That's how dramatic the change was in her life. And she said this, as I've learned about Jesus, I realize I am a daughter. Do you see the change in identity? And she says, I realize I am accepted. And she made this statement, and I'll never forget it. 
She said, I realize I am not an exception to God's acceptance. When things happen and, and, and affect you at such a deep level, you can start thinking you are the exception. You're the exception to forgiveness. You're the exception to a second chance. You're the exception to a life that though it's been messed up, you can never have your hopes and your dreams. You are the exception. But I would like to say to you today that you are not. And this church for nine years has just in so many ways and so uh, many uh, messages and ministries have tried to communicate. You're not the exception. You can be forgiven. You can be accepted. You can be a son of God, a daughter of God. God created you, worked to redeem you. And so you can be accepted. You could go from that sense of, I don't belong even this day to a label. See, when you live with the label that you don't belong, no relationship will work long term. You won't be able to hold a job long term. You, you can't get out of your own way. That's the impact of a label. Your circumstances don't have the right to label you. Only your maker and your buyer, which says to you, you are accepted. Hashtag new. When she was telling her story, and to this day continues to live this incredible uh, life as a follower of Jesus, it was not an improved person. It was like a brand new person. Because she was. I don't think we really give enough attention to this. You have as a church, and that's the reason you are having the influence, because you understand that grace makes you new. It doesn't just renovate you. You become a new creation. Let me show you what Paul said. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This means that anyone, that's anyone, meaning no exceptions, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, say it with me, not an improved person, but a new person. The old life, what is it? It's gone. It's not just a better version of a bad life. No, the old life is gone and the new, the new life has begun. I like new. Back in the early 90s, I drove a Geo Metro. Has anybody ever driven a Geo Metro? It doesn't even have four cylinders. It has three. It like whines. And, and, and I've met so many people today that were drivers of Geo Metros. We're going to start our own small group. And i just amazed. But I'm telling you, my, mine was ugly. Yours, I'm sure, was awesome. Mine was, it was the ugliest car. It gave me all kind of issues. And there just came a time, I just want a new car trying to teach my church about the power of grace to make you new, I showed them pictures of my metro. And then behind a curtain on our platform, I had a $200,000 G-Wagon Mercedes. Wasn't mine. Had it, on the, had it on the platform, and there it is. I'm talking about awesome car. So I've got the Geo Metro on the screen and the Mercedes on the platform. There's no comparison. Like none. There's no similarities. I mean, there's nothing about the Metro that's anything like the Mercedes. And I use that to say, when you get saved, you don't just get improvement. It's a dramatic change. And the Bible, the, the writers of Scripture worked hard to help us understand this. So they'd say, when you get saved, it's like going from darkness to light. Like there's no comparison. It is like going from death to life. Because what we're doing in 
mission in church life is trying to help people know you're not going from a bad person to a good person. That's just improvement. You're going from a spiritual death-like existence to spiritual life. You're going from the deepest emptiness to a fullness of life. And so Peter said, you've been brought out of darkness into light, death to life. It's like there's your past and then there's your future. The old life is gone and the new, the new has begun. Taking my car to get it washed recently, pulled up at the car wash and they always ask, hey, you want a fragrance? When we come there, I said, yes, new car. Double shot, new car. I'll sit in the car, spray me too. <laughs> Hose me down with new car. Love new. There, grace is a spirit of newness. And see, here's the thing. Life and sin and the damage of poor choices make you feel like you've lost your youth, you've lost the energy, you've lost the passion, and maybe you could correct and have some of the guilt gone, but there's no zest, there's no, no hope or dreams. That's not grace. Grace says the old life is gone and the new has begun, and it's filled with purpose, it's filled with dreams, it's filled with responsibility. I'm telling you, forgiveness is written over yesterday, and opportunity is written over today. That is the power of being made new. And some of you can experience that today. See, I mean, there's no person that you'll ever meet that can do that for you. If you're single, if you think, if you're a single young lady, if you think a guy's just going to change it all, it'll never happen. If you're a guy and you think a girl's just going to change everything, it'll never happen. I highly recommend a right relationship but it is not going to save you. The only one that can make you new is your maker and your buyer, Jesus Christ. Hashtag free. Now, do you see what your church has been doing for nine years? You've been helping people discover who they are. You've been helping people realize you can be accepted, made new, and set free. That's the mission of the church. And freedom is not just free from the choices I've made and the lifestyle it created. It's free to the new life and all that it holds. It is free from the problems that were created by the pattern. Never try to just fix problems. Identify the pattern that's causing the problem. And when you identify the pattern, you get set free from the pattern, that will fix the problem. So you're free from the past. But that's not all there is to restoration. Restoration is being restored to original intent. That means you were created for purpose so that in the power of grace, you're free from the old life to the new life where you can walk in the plans that God has for you. That's awesome. Plans that are in in the, the power of God's grace over your life. Let me show you what Joshua says in chapter 2. He says, Then Joshua secretly, secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out, and they came to the house of a, here's the hashtag, here's the label, say it with me, uh, name Rahab. 
Rahab, hashtag prostitute, they stayed there that night. Six times in the first few chapters of the book of Joshua, that is the way Rahab is described. Anyone who is in that lifestyle, they obviously have an identity crisis. They have lost any sense of their own dignity. They certainly don't feel accepted. Anything but new. And they're not free. Hashtag prostitute, hashtag broken, hashtag empty, hashtag miserable, hashtag hopeless. That's Rahab. It's interesting. Rahab has an encounter with God. And it changes her life. And we get the joy of seeing some of the results of the change. She kind of embodies everything I've just told you. And it's what your church has been doing for nine years to help people. When you go to the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, you find a list of names. And let me show you how it flows. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? So now what's the hashtag? She's a mom. She's no longer a prostitute. That identity is gone. There's a new identity. Because she's not who she was. She's a mom. Her life is working. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Which means that Rahab was the great-grandmother to the greatest king Israel ever had. You know, if we somehow could have had a conversation with her in Jericho, And said, do you realize that in your future, you're going to be a mom? And the great-grandmother of the greatest king Israel ever had? She said, no, you've got the wrong person. Hashtag prostitute. Now, when you read Matthew 1, from there to the end, what you're getting is the genealogy, the lineage of Jesus. And it comes all the way to the birth of Jesus. Which means that Rahab was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. The greatest person who has ever lived. The greatest change agent of all history. The most influential person of all humanity. The greatest person of all time comes from the lineage of someone who used to be a prostitute. But because of her encounter with God, she gained a new identity. Didn't just get an improved life, got a brand new life. Wasn't just free from the life that she was living, but she was free to the future and the possibility and the plans God had for her. And she ends up in the first book of the New Testament, the New Covenant, in the very genealogy of Jesus Christ. Takes people like you and me. It says if God can do that for her, He can do it for you. You're not an exception. God's acceptance. 
man walked into my church six years ago that he had no men's clothing. About as broken as a person I've ever seen or ever met. He was invited to church by a couple that attends our church. And when they invited him to church, because they knew how miserable he was, he said, uh, there's no way I'll be accepted. Matter of fact, I don't even know. I don't even know if I will live through it. Like, that's sad that the church had lived in such a way that he didn't know if he would even be saved, much less accepted. They said, no, you come. He comes to church with them on that Sunday morning and because people were respectful and accepting. You see, when I accept somebody, it doesn't mean I agree with them. I can accept somebody without agreeing with any decision and lifestyle they're living. Jesus did it all the time. And he was accepted, and it lowered a barrier in his mind, and he listened that day. And that day, he had an encounter with Jesus. Grace came in like a flood. That was six years ago. I've watched him become a passionate follower of Jesus, a strong man of God and about a year ago he starts dating this awesome young lady who's a follower of Jesus and for six months I've been doing marriage counseling because in three months they're getting married and her story's as messed up as his and when we stand there that day in the church on the platform and there's Stephen and there's Jennifer Accepted, new, free. And when he walked in church that day, he never would have dreamed that in six years he would be listening to someone form covenant with him. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your story is reading right now, but I know this you're not the exception. To God's grace. And so as you close your eyes right now, if you would say, Ron, I need to experience the power of grace that can bring change. Are you confused about who you are? Are you living with a label that's destructive? Do you feel unaccepted? Do you feel abused and broken and like you could never be new. See, the power of grace is this. You, can, you can't start over, but you can start again. New begins right now for you. New begins now. And you can be free. Your past is not your future. If you'd say, I need that kind of grace in my life. I need that kind of power to change me. Would you just lift your hand right now? Thank you for talking to me. God bless you. You. Thank you. Anyone else? Awesome. Jesus, we recognize today that you are the one. Maker and buyer. You're the one that has the power to forgive our sins and to change our lives. Our role is faith and surrender. Your role is to apply the grace and the power of change.
So we acknowledge that you and you alone are the Savior. We acknowledge that we can't fix ourselves and that no one else can fix us. We acknowledge that if life is going to change, we have to surrender to you. So we ask you right now just to come into our hearts. Forgive our sins. We confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that you are the Son of God, the one who died and rose again to save me, to accept me, to forgive me and make me new, to set me free, to set me free from patterns that are creating all kind of problems in my life and to set me free to the life of purpose for which I was created. What you did for Zacchaeus, what you did for the people that are sitting in this room right now, you can do for me. So I accept that and I thank you for it and I celebrate it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll leave you with this. When Rahab, on the night that she had that encounter with God, she looked at those spies and said, is it your God that parted the Red Sea? And so they gave her the details of that miracle. Now, the Red Sea is where God's people were stuck. They could not save themselves. And so God made a way where there was no way. It is a type and picture of us stuck in our sin, and we could not save ourselves, and we can't save ourselves, but God gives Jesus, and he opens up a way. He opens up the door and says, now, here, I will set you free. And when she heard the story, the miracle of the Red Sea, that's where her life changed. Now, the miracle that happened in the Red Sea was a considerable amount of time before Rahab heard about it and had her life changed. But when the Red Sea was opening and that miracle was happening, it was setting in motion another miracle of a lady who desperately needed her life to change. And then that set in motion Israel's greatest king, ultimately in the lineage of Jesus. So your story of grace is a miracle, but it's not contained. It's a catalyst. Because in your story of grace, it sets in motion a miracle that's going to happen in someone else's life. So never quit telling your story. Nine years has been one miracle after another that keeps setting in motion more miracles. Keep being who you are. Keep doing what you're doing. Because there are more miracles over the next nine years than you could ever count. I love you. I celebrate with you. God bless you on your nine-year anniversary.